Well, good morning, everyone. Hopefully, you guys are having a fantastic day. And unfortunately, when you see me to get up and preach at the end of the summer, that's exactly what it means. Summer is almost over. So all the Christian school, yeah, shh. All the Christian school students and maybe some other students are thinking, oh, great. School, well, actually, school starts in two weeks from tomorrow, just for those who are counting and paying attention. As I was thinking about, and just for the folks who don't know, I'm Ken Amador. I'm the administrator for South Merrimack Christian Academy. I, I just finished my fourth year at SMCA. And so I've been contemplating my, uh, my starting my fifth year. And I, 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 when I start thinking about time, and I just turned 60 this year, and so far I can't say I'm a fan of 60, uh, but it's just started, so it might get better. Not sure about that. Uh, I've been thinking, I've been very contemplative and, and pondering the vagaries of life. And I was thinking about my first day on campus at SMCA, March 25th, 2019. Came into the school and there was some upheaval and some issues that were going on. And some of it was quite uh, overwhelming. And so I'm stepping onto campus uh, for the first time uh, in the role that I had. And I started thinking about you know, just what God is doing. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever been in those places where you're thinking, God, what are you doing? Uh, but I was in one of those times and just thinking about the road ahead and some of the issues that we would have to deal with. And so I, I made it through the first morning and I, I went to lunch and I came back and just still filled with, you know, contemplation and ponderings and thinking about the Lord and the future and all that. And on my desk, my temporary desk at that time, there was a post-it note on actually the very Bible that I'm preaching from this morning. It, my Bible's closed, and I came back, and I found a post-it note on my Bible. It wasn't signed, and I read it. And I don't know if you've ever had those moments in your life. It's a, an epiphany. I don't know if it's a, it's a watershed moment. And I thought, thank you, Lord, for confirmation. And I was so grateful that someone took the time to encourage. You know, we've all been there. We've all needed times of encouragement. And I, I kept this. And since normally, well, actually, it's still there. We need to be aware of the people around us and to be an encouragement to them, to be a blessing to them. And this morning, I'm going to give a report on the school, and then we're going to look into God's Word for a, a few moments as we think about our relationship with Him and what He is doing in each of our lives. Every year at this time, I like to give a report on where we are. And the very first thing I want to talk about is, for the folks who don't know, uh, our mission statement for the school. And you can see it on the, on the screen. South Merrimack Christian Academy, a ministry of Merrimack Valley Baptist Church, is a life preparatory school in partnership with parents to cultivate the academic, spiritual, and emotional growth of students and to inspire them to influence our culture for Jesus. You have to say, and I say amen, to the fact that our culture is messed up. And so we're training these young people to be able to take our place. You know, we're not going to be around forever. And our desire is to prepare them and to encourage them and to challenge them to be able to impact this messed up culture for Jesus. 
So let's talk about enrollment. So from that very first year, when I stepped on board, we had an enrollment of 157. The next year, we went to 176. Uh, the year after that, we jumped to 222. And this past year, we were at 241. And praise the Lord, starting in two weeks from tomorrow, we will have 270 students on our campus. And I say praise the Lord for that. And that doesn't just happen. That takes a lot of effort, a lot of prayer, and a lot of people's parts as we think about what God wants to do in and through not just Merrimack Valley Baptist Church, but our Christian school as well. And I say our Christian school because we're all in this boat together. And so praise the Lord for these numbers. And so to whom much is given, much is required. And so I'm rising up in God's strength to meet the challenge to be able to be, blessing, be a blessing to these students. So we're going to talk about some of the enhancements uh, that are coming up. Uh, we're instituting a brand new thing. As far as I know, it's never happened before at SMCA, and it is our senior project initiative, and it's a capstone event. It will take everything that they have learned, and all seniors will put together a senior project. First of all, it's a research paper, and then it's a project, and then it's a presentation. And they'll, they'll take the entire school year to get ready to do this. And no senior can graduate from SMCA without completing this. And so we believe that that will be a wonderful and scary opportunity for them to be prepared or better prepared for college. We have put forth a lot of effort to make sure our math and our science programs are the very best that they can be. And so those of you who are familiar with the history of SMCA, these are areas that have not always been as strong as they should be. And as of last year and coming into this year, I'm very excited to say that these programs are very um, much better than they have been in the past. We added a full health program, which I think is also another important thing that I believe that as Christians, we need to make sure that we are aware and taking care of this temple that God resides in to make sure that it's as strong and as healthy as it can be for these young people as we think about the future. We're reinstituting our theater and drama program. Uh, when I took over, you know, with the numbers down, that was one of the casualties. And so this year we have hired a, a, a teacher that is, that's her expertise is in theater production and so we're very excited about having that grow again it's not going to be you know full-fledged this year but we got to start somewhere and so that's this year we've also uh, taken a look at our logos and you can see that the present logo this is the academic or school logo uh, we wanted to kind of refresh it. I don't know if the Gordons are here this morning. Alyssa, are you back there? So praise the Lord for Alyssa and her skill set. She has enabled us to take our logo from where it was. It hasn't changed much, but it is freshened up a bit, and I think it is a, uh, um, a little more in alignment with uh, our time and our day. And we also have another logo. It's our athletic logo. And historically, if you guys have been here for a while, you recognize that. And if you don't recognize it, that's the old athletic logo. And so the new one looks something like this. And so it takes us into the next era. You know, we've been around for a while. We're excited about what God is doing. And, and I believe our athletes, our student athletes, will also be excited to see the change there as well. 
So we've also, uh, last, uh, last summer we bought a new van, and thank you guys for the ones who supported uh, that. Uh, we've got it out there. If you drive by uh, on Boston Post Road, you can see them, both of them out there, prad- proudly displaying the school logo and advertising for our school. So we felt like we needed to get a bigger van, uh, not a bigger van, bigger trailer. And so we purchased this summer a brand new trailer. The previous trailer was a 5 by 8 the new one is 6 by 12, and uh, it's in the, not this week, but the following week will have the new logo on it as well. So uh, praise the Lord for some of these enhancements that we've been able to do. Also this year, if you haven't heard, we are in our reaccreditation mode. And so in earnest, it starts this year. And so our teachers, our, our staff, and all the people associated with the school are being prepared emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for this very rigorous process. And so it begins this year in earnest. It's an evaluation over 14 standards. If you're interested in knowing what those standards are, please go to our website. Uh, all those standards are there, and you will be able to get more information and know kind of the process that we're going to go through. It's a one-and-a-half-year process, and it will be effective from 2025 to 2035. And so it's going to be intensive, but I think it is, if we're good stewards of what God has entrusted to us, this is a process that we want to do for the school parents to make sure they have confidence in the program that we present. So praise the Lord for that. So I wanted to say publicly thank you for your prayer for support of SMCA. We couldn't do what we do without your support and your prayers. And so if you ever have any questions about anything about SMCA, please feel free to reach out to me and and ask me questions, and I will do my best to either uh, give you the best answer that I'm aware of, and if I can't, then find out, you know, the answer to you. All right, so let's go ahead and take our, our Bible, and let's turn to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40. Anytime I have an opportunity to present God's Word, my desire is that the message that I will preach impacts me first. And if it doesn't impact me first, then I do not believe that it will have the opportunity to impact your life. And so this morning, I have picked a subject that I am very well acquainted with. And that subject is wait on the Lord. If you've been alive for any length of time, and definitely if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've done some waiting in your life. You've been waiting on God to do what He has promised He will do. And so I really want to focus this morning for the next several minutes on encouraging and challenge you when you go through and when I go through these times of waiting. So Isaiah chapter 40 very familiar couple of verses. Let's look in verse 30. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 30 and 31. And he says, even the youths shall faint and be weary. Now, I want you to recognize that even the young people, they get tired. Even young people with their young bodies, they do have down times. And the Bible is recognizing that. And he says, and the young men shall utterly fail. Verse 31 But those who wait on the Lord shall receive their strength. So renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
So my big challenge, my big takeaway this morning is to encourage you to not operate in your own strength. We have to recognize that God has um, limitless power, limitless strength that is available to us if we will only access it, if we will only depend on him concerning that strength. So I want to focus this morning on that. We live in a hurry-up world. I remember when I left active duty with the Navy after uh, 12 or 13 years of active duty, uh, we moved to the Boston area. We still live in Mansfield, Massachusetts, which is uh, not in Boston, but we're impacted and influenced by it. And one of the things I noticed is that everybody's stressed out. And they're driving fast, and I find myself like going to a restaurant where the music is like really moving, and I'm matching that with my eating. And I think that's by design, I'm not sure. But they're driving fast, so I'm inclined to drive fast. They're stressed, so I'm inclined to be stressed. We live in a stressed out world. We want everything done now. And if it doesn't happen according to our timetable, Oftentimes we get frustrated. You know, how often have you been at Market Basket or whatever um, uh, shopping uh, place here in, in this area and you will leave a line because it's going too slow? I, I do it all the time. Or what about you walk out of a restaurant because the service is slower than you think it should be? We are stressed. We are we feel like we have to move fast. And that kind of carries over into our spiritual life as well. Our hurry-up attitude spills over into our relationship with God. We want God to answer our prayer right now. We cannot believe that God is taking so long to respond to our problem. And sometimes, if we're not if we're not careful, we can actually start thinking God doesn't care about us because he's taking too long or he's allowing this situation to continue. God's character is revealed in the Bible and it is easily seen that God does not answer on our timetable. You guys know that, right? God's working on a different timetable than we are. You know, I'm asking God, I'm begging God, please, I need an answer by 3 o'clock tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. Maybe, maybe not. So, some of the most difficult things that we see in our walk with the Lord is during those times of waiting on Him. And there is precedent in that God, in the Bible, causes people like Abraham, Joseph, and Lazarus, all of them to wait. In our scripture reading uh, earlier, uh, Abraham had to wait 25 years for that promised son. Joseph, he, he had the dream where he would be exalted, but before he, that actually became a reality, he, had to, he was thrown into the pit. He was sold into slavery in Potiphar's house, and he spent a, a couple of years in prison before he was he received that time of authority. What about Lazarus? You know, Martha was concerned. Her brother Lazarus was dying. Lazarus was the friend of Jesus. And she sent message to Jesus, said, please come quick. Your friend Lazarus is dying. Jesus tarried. And when he finally got there, you guys know the story. Martha was actually upset. 
She said, uh, Jesus, if you had only come earlier, your friend Lazarus would not have died. Telling Jesus, in essence, you messed up. So all of us are going to go through times of waiting. In fact, over 50 times in the Bible, we are instructed to wait on the Lord. So we've got to recognize that these times of waiting can either make you bitter or better. These times of difficulties when we've received a diagnosis or we've gone to the doctor and we're waiting to receive the diagnosis, that's brutal, brutal. And I believe that sometimes as Christians we are not prepared to wait on the Lord. Some of the culture that we live in is spilling over into our relationship with God. This morning, I want to show you why God seems to remain silent when we desperately need him. And as I'm going through this message this morning, I want to encourage you. This morning, you're sitting here, and we've got, you know, our Sunday clothes on, and, you know, we've got our Sunday smile on, and, and we're saying hi, and we're shaking hands, and we're hugging, and all the things that we do. But I know in this room with a group this size, there are probably some people in this room that were up all night last night desperate, crying. Maybe there is a relationship problem. Maybe there is a financial problem. Or maybe there's a health problem. Maybe you received that diagnosis and it's caused your life to go into a tailspin. And it's real easy for us to ask God, why are you not responding? So I'm, I'm going to share with you this morning two reasons that I believe God remains silent during those times that we desperately need him. And I hope that this is an encouragement to you, especially if you're going through a time of waiting right now. And if you're not, maybe you're sitting this morning saying, Brother Ken, my life is great. I'm, I, everything's going fine. For you folks, stand by. Because there might be a time of waiting in your future. So this is applicable for all of us. So the first reason I believe that God remains silent is to refine us. Now, you've probably heard this process, but I, I want to encourage you or remind you that God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life, and it's not all pleasant. There are times that he's going to take us through difficult seasons to refine us. And so here's, I believe, God's plan. He said he wants us to be like Christ. He wants us to look like Jesus Christ. He wants us to obey him. He wants us to submit our will to his will. And he wants us to view life the way he does. That's one of the most difficult things that I find as a Christian. Being able to change my perspective because I'm stuck in this human body seeing the things that I do. And a lot of it is based on my childhood. Some of it's based on relationships that are going now. And unfortunately, a lot of it's uh, based on the problems that I'm facing. So if I can just change myself to see this world like Jesus sees it, the way God sees it, it would help me know that God doesn't hate me. Because sometimes we can get that sneaky suspicion that he does. He doesn't. But sometimes in our frailty, in our humanity, we can think that. So God, his process that he uses is to refine us. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, I love this verse because I kind of see a little bit of sarcasm in Peter. He says, beloved, talking to Christians, he said, do not 
think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. And sometimes as Christians, we're like mystified. Why am I going through this? You know, I serve God. I'm in church. I teach a Sunday school class. You know, I love my spouse. I take care of my kids. Why are all these bad things happening to me? So we're like mystified at why these horrible things are happening to us. And Peter says, hey, this fiery trial is not a strange thing. We need to be ready for it. We need to be prepared for it. And some of this message is a challenge for us to be ready for those times of waiting. So this idea of a fiery trial has an idea of a smelting furnace. Now, back when I lived in Missouri, there's a a place near Branson. If you've ever been there, you've heard of Silver Dollar City. My playful title for it is Steal Your Dollar City, which oftentimes I felt like we spent more than we probably should have. But when you go to Silver Dollar City, it's like walking back into the 1800s. You had all these people that were in period clothing and they're, they're melting metal and they're making glass. And it's hot. You, you go there in July and you're like, I think I'm going to die. And you get around this fiery furnace and it's even worse, like a thousand degrees. And they're molding and shaping metal and glass. And that's the idea of the, uh, the smelting furnace. And, and, and Psalm 66.10 says this, For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. It's God's Word. There's a process that we go through for this... Um, shaping and molding that God is doing in and through us. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says this, Why do we do that? Why do we go through that? That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that's the whole idea. He's doing all this stuff. He's taking us through these tough times, these horrible times, not because he hates us, but because he wants to shape us and mold us to look like Jesus. A smelting furnace purifies gold and silver. I want you to get this this morning. Nothing just happens in the life of a Christian. God uses everything to shape us and to mold us. Waiting on the Lord is a part of God's plan to purify us. Now, if you're like me, I don't like that. I don't like waiting, and I certainly don't like pain. But I understand that God uses it to get my attention, to make me look up, and to obey Him and get in alignment with His purpose and His plan. God's goal in refining us is this, that we would wait on the Lord means to eagerly and patiently anticipate God's work in our life. Have you reached that point in your Christian life? I am convinced that too many Christians are spiritually asleep and they're going through life bumping into things. I didn't see that there. Bump into that. Didn't see that there. Instead of being proactive and awake and aware and focused on God, where we can anticipate these problems, anticipate these things, and be ready to respond in a way that glorifies them. And beyond that, be able to grow in His sight. That's where I want to be. 
Psalm 40, verse 1 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my, prayer, my, my cry. Waiting on the Lord means that we trust him for his strength to endure the entire trial. So whatever trial we're going through, whatever problems we're facing, they're not going to be forever, but our goal is to be faithful. Our goal is to keep our, our thoughts and our minds stayed on the Lord. Romans 8.37 says this, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us, who loved us. We need to recognize that God is working in our lives. And that's a good thing. The reason we need refining is we faint. I remember spending all the time in the workups before deploying to Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever the different places we went to. It was intense. And for the folks who have been in the military, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, to get ready for Afghanistan, they, spent, we, they took us to the Mojave Desert for a month. Why did they do that? Because they hated us? No, because they didn't want us to die in Afghanistan because of the heat. 130, 125 degrees. And if we had not gone through that training, we would have not been prepared for what we experienced in that battle zone. We faint because we were weak. We need to be toughened up spiritually, and so God allows us to go through those times to be ready. I want you to take your Bible and turn to Psalm 27. I want you to see something here this morning that I think is important for us to get a hold of. Psalm 27 and verses 13 and 14. Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. Now this is David. And I love his transparency. This is the great exalted David with all the blessings that God had uh, bestowed upon him. And this is David talking. He says this in verse 13, very transparent, very vulnerable. He says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is the man who was going through tough times, and he was tempted to turn his back on God, tempted to stray, but then he remembered the goodness of God and what God had done in his life, and he was reminded, verse 14, to wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. And just in case we didn't get it the first time he said it, he says, wait, I say, on the Lord. This is a man speaking from experience. David, the man who killed Goliath, he could lose heart. This is comforting to me that David, this person that we read about in the Bible and we, we exalt and, and justifiably so, this is a man who could lose heart, which means I am a candidate for losing heart. But I, I need to be reminded, just like David needed to be reminded, that his responsibility and my responsibility and your responsibility is to wait. Can't change it. We're to wait. His attitude, my attitude, and your attitude is to be of good courage. While we're waiting, we are having good courage. We're encouraging ourselves in the Lord. And then his hope, your hope, and my hope is he shall renew our heart and our strength. That's the hope that we have because he's God and we're not. 
Even before the answer comes, God wants us to be confident that we will survive this time of waiting. Even the best Christians are subject to fainting. My wife and I spent, uh, well, we, we were waiting for the hottest, most humid summer to work on our garage, and so that was this summer. And so we started working on it, and um, it took me to the very edge of my skill set, which is not very far. And so we put up some shelves, and I finished the drywall in the garage. And as long as we stayed on the floor, it was just, it was tolerable. But you get on a 12-foot ladder to reach up, up there, it's like a thousand degrees up there on the top of the, uh, the garage. And I knew, you know, stay hydrate. You know, the, the slogan is hydrate or die. So I knew that. I'm drinking water, you know, I'm drinking water. And then about the fourth day, uh, I, I was taking a break and I went out to our port or our deck and I was not feeling that great. So I was kind of feeling a little weird. And I've never been 60 before, so I really wasn't sure how to gauge it. Anyway, so I'm not feeling that great. So I get up and I tell my wife, I'm going to go to the restroom, put some cold water on my face and never made it to the bathroom. So on the way there, I started seeing flashing lights. I don't know if you've ever fainted before, but that's like a telltale sign you're going down. So that's starting to happen. And so I'm starting to mitigate the damage early. Because I've heard telltale signs when you pass out, your head is looking for something to hit at that point. I didn't want to do that. So I'm trying desperately to keep myself together because I'm going down. So and when this mass starts moving, it's going down. So I'm looking, you know, how do I do this? And so I'm talking to my wife very calmly. I don't remember what I said, but I said something cool. Anyway, so I was going down, and I was trying not to damage anything. And I thought that I succeeded. So my, as my wife tells me later, you know, I was on a corner in a, like a fetal position. My head was in an awkward position. My legs were underneath me. And so I thought it went down cool. Apparently not so much. So I learned two things. I'm not 40 anymore. And two, water isn't enough. Because when you're sweating, you guys know this, you're losing electrolytes. So I was okay with the water, but I wasn't okay with the electrolytes. And so took some of that stuff in, reminded of my lesson, and we finished the garage. So I lived to tell the story. So thank you, Jesus. So we are prone to faint. And sometimes there are seasons when we are more prone to faint than others. And I want to submit to you, if you are not in a vibrant, daily, moment-by-moment relationship with Jesus Christ, you are going to be prone to faint. You're not going to be able to go down easy. You're going to go down hard, and it's going to be difficult. So my challenge to myself and my challenge to you is let's make sure that our relationship is the best that it can be every day. The key for us as Christians is that we must believe to see, not see to believe. We live a life of faith. We live a life that's filled with trust or should be. And that's where the courage comes in. We need to have courage. Sometimes we feel like God is asking us to do the impossible. And I would say the Christian life is impossible if it weren't for the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things we cannot do. I would say most things we can't do without the power of the Holy Spirit. God knows how we feel. And He knows what we fear. And He knows that we need to grow in our faith. 
And so he provides waiting periods. He provides opportunities to strengthen our faith. Trusting in our ability or our mental capacity or strength will cause us to fail. We need his strength. Listen, he wants to renew or exchange our strength with his strength, because I don't have any. When we patiently and eagerly wait on him, he gives us wings to soar so that we can run and not be weary and to walk and not faint. And the result of this refining is confidence. David would have lost heart unless he knew that God was going to help. What did God do to give him confidence? Well, there was the lion and the bear. There was Goliath. There was God removing Saul and making him king without David having to kill Saul. And that's the refining fire that we all go through. So we need to wait. That was the first point. The second point's a lot shorter. So number two, why does God seem to remain silent when we desperately need him? God remains silent to establish a deeper relationship with him, with him or with us. He does that because he wants to be connected to us. He wants us to be connected to him. Part of the reason God remains silent is to draw us closer to him than even we thought were possible. Difficult times make for deeper relationships. While waiting for the promised son, Abraham's relationship with God was deepened. We read in the scripture reading that Pastor Joe read in Romans chapter 4, verses 19 through 22, all the stuff that he went through and all of it, even though it, it, it was years in the making, all of it was pushing him to be deeper in his relationship with God. He did not waver in unbelief. He was strengthened in his faith, and he was fully convinced. And my challenge to you guys and to myself as well is that let's do that, even if we're waiting. Maybe right now in your mind you've got something you're asking God to do. Maybe uh, you want to have another child, or you want to uh, pay off a debt, or you've got a health situation you're asking God to help you with. Whatever it is, we need to be drawn closer to him through that process. When God seems silent, we need a plan. And waiting on the Lord is a pathway to blessing. So there's three things I want to encourage you with this morning. We're getting really close to being done with this message this morning. Three things that I want you to remember when you're going through a time of waiting. First thing is this, God is at work. If you're in a season of waiting, praise the Lord, God is working in your life. He's working in my life. Now, Satan doesn't want you to know that. What Satan is telling you is he's forgotten you. God doesn't care about you. If he did care, you wouldn't be going through this. That's Satan's lie. But when you're going through a time of waiting, remember that God is at work. The second thing I want you to remember is our time of waiting did not come by accident, no matter what the circumstances are. As I mentioned earlier, God doesn't waste any of the problems. He uses all of them. And really, at the end of the day, we need to respond in a way that would honor him and would allow us to grow. You know, I mentioned earlier that, you know, we have a choice. We either get bitter or better. You know, too many Christians, some adversity comes in our life, and the first thing they say is, you know, God, you hate me. And consequently, I hate you. But that's not the response that God is looking for. He wants us to recognize that he's using all those circumstances for his glory 
and our good. The third thing I want you to see is that since God is at work, we know he has a purpose and a plan. Think about the last time God answered a prayer for you. And, you know, we used to sing a song, you know, count your blessings, name them one by one. Why do we do that? To be reminded that God loves us and he's working in our lives. Too often we forget about the goodness and sometimes we just focus on the bad and that's discouraging. I love this verse in the Old Testament. Habakkuk, I'm not going to ask you to turn there because... Frankly, too many people wouldn't be able to find it because it's in the Old Testament. Habakkuk knew the blessing of waiting. Once you look at this verse, this is Habakkuk. He says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. Now, what is a rampart? I'm glad you asked. That is a rampart. You've got the wall of the castle or the protected area, and you've got a tower there, and a person would stand there, and their only job is to watch for the enemy. That's the rampart. Go back to the Scripture. He said, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart. Now, notice this. His posture is he's one of waiting, he's watching, he's ready. He says, and watch to see what he will say to me. This is a person going through troubles, going through problems, and he's not kind of going into a a fetal position because he's overwhelmed. He's not running away. He's not trying to avoid. He is there ready. He's doing his job. He's working. He's waiting, and he's watching. You see the position that Habakkuk is in? He says, and to see what he will say to me, and notice this last part, and what I will answer when I am corrected. Sometimes God takes us through a waiting period because there's a problem in our life. There is a sin in our life that God wants us to address. Not always, but sometimes. And so Habakkuk, instead of running away, avoiding, uh, being in a fetal position, he's watching, he's working, he's waiting, and he's listening for God's voice. When God would speak, he was ready to respond. My question this morning to you guys is this. What does a time of waiting do to you? Does it discourage you? Does it frustrate you? Maybe initially it does. But as Christians, we have hope. We have opportunity to be able to look to him and be ready for his response. My challenge to you this morning is this. Decide now how you will face a time of waiting. Now. And especially if you're not in a time of waiting, some of you guys are, but the folks that are not, decide now how you're going to respond to that time of waiting. Choose to draw closer to God. Don't fall away. Choose to stand like Habakkuk and be ready. James chapter 4 and verse 8 says this, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. A double-minded is a person who's undecisive. Do I go this way? Do I go that way? I'm not sure. I think I'll just stand here and do nothing. The second thing, not only choose to draw closer to God and not fall away, but the second thing is choose joy, not despair. Because despair is to turn one's back on God. No Christian should ever be in despair. We have life, we have love, we have God. 
once we become aware that God is at work, we are to go through this tough time with joy. I'm not talking about happiness. Because as I've said before, happiness is based on your circumstances, which change all the time. But joy is based on a relationship that doesn't change. That's where we can have joy. And then James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, My brethren, like Peter, he's talking to Christians. He says, count it, consider it all joy when you fall into various trials. He's not saying to do cartwheels down the aisle when you've got problems. He's not saying that. He's saying, because I know the process and the plan that God has for these problems and the result that can be, if I respond correctly, is a good thing, I can be joyful. It's not, we have to change our perspective. We need to see problems the way God sees them and not the way we see them because he has a different perspective than we do. All we see is right here. And God wants us to see what he's doing and the result of that can be a very good thing for us if we respond correctly. And when we do, we can have joy. Here's my question for you this morning as I close. Are you enduring a time of waiting this morning? How are you responding? I have to ask myself the same question. Because I'm not exempt. Pastor Greg is not exempt. All the pastors and the deacons and all the Sunday school teachers, and they all have times of waiting. We all go through it. The difference is our perspective and our attitude and our focus. That's what makes all the difference in the world. So I want to encourage you this morning. If you're going through the time of waiting, look up. Know that you're loved. God is doing his thing. And if we respond right, we're going to come out on the other side stronger and closer to the Lord. And I hope that is your situation. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Father, we've had... A uh, great time this morning singing these songs to glorify you and learning this new song and having this couple join the church this morning. It's a very exciting thing, Lord, and I'm grateful. But, Father, we live in Reelsville. We live in the real world, and it would be nice if we could just be here all the time, but we have to go out tomorrow, and we're, we're around people that are not Christians. We're around people that, you know, are struggling, having difficulties. And, Father, we are your ambassadors we are your emissaries. We are called to be salt and light. And while we're doing that, oh, by the way, we might be in a waiting period. And so it's really tough, Lord. And so we're asking that you would give us your strength. And Father, this morning, maybe there's someone here that is going through that time of waiting. Maybe it's a diagnosis, or maybe it's a financial reversal, or maybe it's a relationship problem. Maybe husband and wife, or parents and children, or parents and grandparents or whatever, Father, we, are, we might be going through that and it's breaking our heart. It's tearing us up. I pray that you would meet these individuals at their point of need, recognizing, God, that you love them. You're there for them. And then, Lord, there might be others here that have no clue what I'm talking about this morning. They, have they cannot remember a time where they accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, recognizing that Jesus died on the cross for their sin and exchanging their unrighteousness for his righteousness. And so I pray, God, if there's someone like that this morning, that they would do something about it. They would seek out me or Pastor Dave or, or a deacon, someone that they can say, I need to know more about this salvation thing. Father, if there's someone like that this morning, I pray that they would 
take that step and seek out more information. I thank you, Lord, for our church. I'm grateful, Lord, for the work that you're doing here. And we want to give you the honor and the glory for all that you're doing. Thank you so much for your love. And we thank you for Jesus who makes all of this possible. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.